0: Welcome to the Jesse's Girl podcast, where we talk about the other stuff you should know. Here we interview some of the nearest and dearest people in your life and talk about topics that interest you. If your name is Jesse James Miller, then this podcast is for you. Okay, checking. Yep, it's working. Okay. All right, today on the podcast, we have the man, the myth, the legend, we have dad. And we are talking about a very um, scary and sensitive topic. We are talking about the New Mexico State Penitentiary, specifically what happened on a February night in 1980. So just to give you a quick background, if you don't already know, um, a group of inmates began drinking. Um, This prison was not well taken care of. And um, this was something that was just becoming really old hat for the inmates. And so they decided that they were going to start a riot and had been talking about it. Well, once they started drinking, um, which in prison, they brew um, different things, different fruits that they get. And so apparently this had started from a brew they created from fermented raisins and yeast um, that was smuggled from the prison's kitchen. Um, so by 1030 that night, um, which an attorney would later report that they were drunk and angry and talking loudly about taking over the place. So this was already kind of in the works of something that they wanted to do. So um, to give you some background, the penitentiary was constructed constructed in 1956, um, but was very neglected. So by the early 80s, um, it was supposed to have a capacity of 900 but it actually was 1,157 men had had overflowed to that point by um, February of 1980. So a lack of space, inadequate programs, understaffing, all of that had been um, a part of this place just being run very poorly. Um, and the inmates were tired of it. And they were complaining about it for years and years about the living conditions. So... Thus began one of the deadliest episodes in New Mexico history. It was roughly 36 hours of brutality, murder. They smashed sinks and toilets and radiators. They started fires. Um, Gangs of inmates made um, weapons out of metal pipes, chair legs, um, other weapons, um, many wearing, um, some, some sort of a gas mask or bandanas to hide their faces. They, um, again, set fires, set fires to some bodies, um, in the gymnasium. And I think some other places, um, it, this actually caused the wood floor to catch fire. I think specifically in the gymnasium, um, and created an inferno. So the beams, um, supporting the roof began to sag, So completely like really demolishing this place. Um, but when it was over, um, this was considered one of the most violent inmate uprisings in us history. Um, it would leave these gut wrenching statistics, um, 33 dead scores, injured millions of dollars in damage. Um, no guards were killed. I think from what I found, and um yeah, but a dozen were held hostage. They were raped, they were sodomized. Um so a lot of really horrible things happened. So that's just an intro, a small um taste of what happened. So now we're gonna talk about someone who actually was there. You said about a month after this happened. Yeah. Yeah,
1: about
0: Kay. a month. Okay. So I have some questions for you. Okay, so we're gonna get to um You said cell block three, and I think it was four, or just Cell block three. Cell cell block block four
1: was the snitch, was the guarded inmates, the child molesters. Yes. The snitches, yeah. Those are the ones that got a lot of them killed.
0: Okay. So um, let's go ahead and let me ask you some questions, and then we'll get into specifically, um, well, some things I researched about cell block Block three. So, Dad started working again about a month later with his brother Jeff. So, how did you get this job?
1: There was an ad in a newspaper in Michigan, in a Michigan. paper called the Mining Journal.
0: All the way in Michigan? Yes, it was in the paper. Oh and my gosh.
1: We, we literally applied for it. We got the job, and we got on a bus, which took us two days to get here. And that's how I got here.
0: And you knew about the rights before getting the job? No oh my gosh no
1: we didn't know anything oh about it. what we knew is that there was there was an issue but we didn't know how many people were killed we didn't know uh, wow we just knew that they were short staff so when we were told on the phone that it was going to be four weeks orientation one week on the job training before you get keys that was not true it was one week and we got keys
0: wow okay so further just confirms the fact that this place is a mess yeah even after the fact which you know a month later how are you supposed to really i guess like remedy the situation but still that was a very poor um, oh yeah t- poor training on their yeah. part
1: and we stayed at bachelor's quarters. we so we stayed on the prison grounds that's where we slept me and jeff okay we stayed in the and
0: back. it was it was within the same building or a separate no no no
1: it's a separate building just outside the fence okay just outside the fence
0: Okay. Um, okay. So didn't know about the riots. Um, how old were you guys when you started working there?
1: 28. And Jeff was 25.
0: Wow. So I was 28. So, Jesse, dad, at this point, now, at the point that you hear this podcast, he was your age when he went to take this job. Yeah. That's insane. Okay, so when you started working there, how did they, how did you find out about how severe the riot was? Like, what sort of, um, was that something that they told you that you researched? And then, like, when you got there, what damage could you still see? Like, what shape was it? in? We
1: could still smell the fires. We could still see all that stuff. We could still see burnt bodies in the ground. But I got a lot of the information from the guard that I was taken to the hospital, who was brutalized in the attack. So okay. that's where I would ta- I would take him to the doctor's office, and then he would tell me what was going on. So that's really how that happened. That's really how I got all the information on there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but you know we, we but when you got there, you could still smell the burnt wood. You could see an outline of a body in cell block three, which you had already talked about. We'll talk about it later. But you could you could still smell it. You could still see debris. You could it was just it was it was just still not good. It was not good still.
0: Okay. So did you so it was obviously still in really bad shape, but did you guys have to have any hand in I guess fixing any of that or did they hire no. people to come in and
1: no, they hired it was a state it was a state contract, state okay. so it was a state facility, so the state fixed it up. Oh, okay. And, and you know, for me and Jeff, being as young as we were, and short-stacked as they were, the money was, we were making $1,000 a week because we worked as much overtime as we wanted because they didn't have enough people. Okay. So at, you figure in 1980, we were making $1,000 a week take home.
0: Yeah, that was a lot.
1: Yeah, it was huge.
0: Okay, because that was my next question, is um, finding out all of the horror that had happened, like you didn't have any... Like, didn't want to leave because that happened? No,
1: you know, we didn't because it was all done. You know, we didn't – it. to me, it wasn't really scary at all to me. Um, and Jeff, I don't know about Jeff, but it wasn't scary to me. I thought it was done. I thought it was brutal. You know, and a lot of people got killed who probably shouldn't have got killed. But, um, yeah, it didn't bother me at all.
0: okay. How you, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but did they in the preparing you or training you for this job after that happening, did they tell you anything about should a riot occur in the future? This is what we do to avoid that happening. Again?
1: Not yet, because none of that had been prepared yet. They were still working on a new preparedness policy. So at the time that we got there, it hadn't been done yet. It hadn't been fixed okay so basically um, you know if you want I could tell you a little bit of a story of of another little riot that happened and where we got shot at me and Jeff both got shot at
0: yeah by our own people definitely tell it tell the story
1: so a gun had gotten in by an inmate through his brother through the furniture so a furniture company came in there was a gun in there they took over dormitory six And um, so we, because we were at Bachelors quarters, we were the first ones on site. There was only maybe like three people that stayed on the ground. So me and Jeff were the first ones there. So we started going outside perimeter. And I remember our captain said, specifically, I'll never forget this. He said, anything that comes out of that window there, you shoot it. If it's a head, you shoot it. If it's a foot, you shoot it. Whatever it is that comes out of that window, you shoot it. And so we got our guns, we got our shotguns, and we went around the perimeter. And then two shots rang out, and they were so close that we could hear them. And my brother went down, and I thought he was hit because he, he wasn't moving.
0: Mm-hmm. And I said,
1: Jeff. And he wouldn't move. I, and I said, dude, are you hit or what? And he goes, no, I'm just not going to move. <laughs> so they don't shoot again. Well, then we found out later it was our own tower that was shooting at us.
0: Oh, okay. So, yeah, we,
1: we took him out for a little Yeah, we beat him up. Okay. Anyway.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that
1: was another little riot that they had, but we kind of nipped it in the bud a little bit.
0: Yeah. Before it got out of control. Yeah. Okay. Um. Did you? I know that you said that you heard from the guard like everything that happened. As you worked there, did you get a perspective from any of the inmates about the whole night?
1: Well, a lot of them you know even still when we took a when we were there there was still, there was still mistreatment going on I mean it just you know I'm, and then a lot of it was you know a, a perfect example. there were some really bad guards, there were two brothers that worked with us that periodically would throw people down a flight of stairs that's handcuffed handcuffed thrown down a flight of stairs, and so a lot of it wasn't the higher-ups as captains and corporals and all those people in the warden. It was mostly the guards who were mm. – um, because when we got our badges, we were told never, you never, ever, ever, ever show your badge outside this building. You don't show it in public because most of these people are in there. Their families live here in Albuquerque and Santa Fe or live in Santa Fe. So you don't know who you're going to show your badge to. Yeah. So you don't let nobody see yeah. you have a badge. You don't let nobody know you work here is what they basically said but
0: okay. yeah. So, so did any of the guards, well, okay. So, so first did any of the guards return from the ones that were working there? And then did any get like reprimanded for letting no, it get out of, of hand? Them.
1: I don't know what happened to literally. I had heard that there were two guards that actually let the door open. There was two. Um, and the the way I heard it, it, it wasn't done on purpose because the, the, the cell doors are a double lock, so when you lock it once, it clicks. But you have to lock it twice. They didn't lock it twice; they only locked it once. Now, whether they did it on purpose, I never met those guys. But it was in it was in dorm, it was in dorm one of the dormitories, and I can't remember D, I think it was, of where the whole thing started. So I don't know who those guys were, but none of the guards that were involved ever came back. They they all left, and that's why they were so so short staffed.
0: Mm. So they had to hire a whole new the group, group that of
1: people. When me and Jeff got there, the group that was, our group was 12 people who had never worked in a penitentiary before. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, none of us.
0: Okay. So, um, during that time, so you, you said that you worked there less than a year. Yeah. During that time, there were tons of, you know, or there were shootings, some killings, um, and hauntings, which is what we're going to get into next. Um so I think this would be a good transition into talking about Cell Block 3. So Okay, so a, just a few things I researched from this. Um so the men who started the uprising um formed informal death squads. Yeah. Um in Cell Block 3. So they were some of the most dangerous men in the institution, which is what you said. Um and they were they were set about settling scores with snitches and then child molesters um they were housed in this area and the men murdered in this part of the prison were the ones that were really brutally tortured and like mutilated yeah so um let's see um as of right now well this was this was still set back in um, 98. But um, guides on a recent corrections department tour of this facility, um, which was closed in 1998 and is now used as a movie set and tourist attraction, point out hack marks in the concrete floor where one man was beheaded. Um, they don't allow photos of that spot. Um, they identify a smoky black stain where another inmate had his eyeballs gouged out before he was burned to, de- to death with a welding torch. Um, and it took more than a hundred million to clean up the mess and build new prisons, um, but those were only you know just two things that that was mentioned in the article that I was reading yeah. um, which you said that you could still see that yeah, the body the, body the
1: body when you went into cell block three, it was two tiered it was two tiered so the very first thing, and you got to understand so the very first thing you get when you get cell block three is a bulletproof vest that 's what you wear for the rest of the night, and the reason they did that. Is because when you would walk down the tiers, they allowed the inmates, which I don't know why they allowed them to put blankets over their cells, and so if they heard you walking, they would jam a broomstick through the curtain to try and try and stab you.
0: Oh my god! And so
1: that's why they had the bulletproof. That's
0: weird that they had them like I know like. You shouldn't be able to have that privacy no. because you could be hiding it. Exactly. So
1: we had plenty of people who got stabbed under the arm.
0: Yeah.
1: I always walked this way. So the vest was facing the cells. I always walked facing the cells, but yeah, it was two tier. And then it was on the second tier when you get up to the top step, that's when you can see the body like almost in a fetal position laying on the ground. And it would just it stayed there. They bleached it, and they uh, they tried everything. They tried acid. They tried nothing would come up. Nothing, That's awful. nothing, nothing. And those cells were really bad. I mean, death row was really, really bad. I mean, it was just it was horrible. It was just mm-hmm. nasty.
0: Okay, so obviously, so this whole thing is super interesting, and the fact that still all these years later people talk about it. They say they're still hunting. They say people see shadows and they hear cell blocks um, or, or like doors slamming and the cells slamming shut. Um, okay. So what are some of your personal experiences that you had?
1: Some of mine are almost in that same area. You could literally, you know, you would be down at one end of the tier. And, you know, most of the times when you had to do head count, you're inside the unit to do head count. And at the end, you have two guys go in and you do a head count. And if you don't match, you got to do it again until you match. Then you're, you could see you, – you see a, a bot or you see a dark mask go by and you, and you tell the other – well, go get that guy. Why is he not in his bed? And there was nobody there. <laughs> so there was that and then you could hear screaming. You could hear screaming. You could hear them making shanks. You could hear scraping on the floors at night mm-hmm. where there was no uh, nobody in that area, no cells uh, occupied. So you could hear the shanks being made. And yeah, you could hear people uh, people screaming. You could – the doors slamming. Those That was almost every single night. Almost every night you could – it got to the point where you didn't even go up there anymore. Mm -hmm. and then the scariest part for me was the basement I you know the basement to me because there were so many little hidden areas I would go down there and you would hear footsteps and then you could hear little murmurings and you could hear screaming and you could hear you could hear everything and it was just it yeah it was just it it, and it's a shame to say but you almost got used to it which was kind of really crazy um but Yeah, every night at something, you could see, you could see somebody outside, and there's no way they could be outside because it's 20 feet to the ground, so you could see somebody walk by a cell, or the outside cell, which the windows were only, like, less than a foot wide, you could see, like, a head, and then you, you go to the window, and you're like, well, wait a minute, there's, like, 20 feet up there, yeah.
0: So, um... Did you talk about this amongst like your brother, another the other guards and stuff? Like everyone was well aware and oh, felt yeah. the same. Everybody, about was all it. everybody was
1: all aware. Everybody was all aware. It, you know, it wasn't at first. Everybody talked about it, but then later on, everybody knew about it. So they didn't talk about it anymore. But it just still went on. And you know, when somebody would knew would come in. Well, then we'd always play tricks on them, you know. We'd always, we'd always do something, you know, and and we'd make them go down the end of the hall or something. But yeah, it's it was a it was a it was a bad place. I mean, matter of fact, if you went up to the towers, the the actual uh, shooting towers, people are so silly that I went up to the tower. And went, when you worked overtime, you got to work anywhere you wanted to, anywhere. So one day I said, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the tower." It's a tick So I get I get up there and I'm checking the weapons and all this stuff. Somebody pulled all the gunpowder and put salt in the bullets. Oh. So I'm like, this is the mentality of the people <laughs> we work with. Yeah. So I was playing with this bullet and I was like, well, oh, that came off and there's salt. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Oh yeah. my god. So those are things. So if you had to protect yourself, you didn't have any weapon because it was all salt. Yeah. So even oh, from the towers, so you could hear people like coming up your stairs because the towers were probably about twenty twenty five feet high. So you could hear people coming up the stairs, or then as you look because there were four towers east, west, north, and south, and then you could see everything, and then you could you could you could see dark masses all over the
0: place. So what was the worst, as far as? Um I know you said you didn't like to work in the, or go down into the basement, but was there a certain um, shift or place that was the worst to work because there seemed to be more activity? Like nobody wanted to go work in a certain area for that reason?
1: It was the basement. Okay. Nobody wanted to go to the basement. Nobody ever, and I only went to the basement cause I was new mm-hmm. and I never went again. <laughs> so I was the new guy and I went to the basement, but there was one night where I was in a, in a dormitory we were doing count. And we lost power, which means now we're in there with 62 inmates. Doors can't open because they're electric. Mm. Well, no, they weren't electric. They were they were keyed. So, But no lights on. So you couldn't see the door to get out the door. And so I yelled out. I said, if anybody touches me, I'm going to put the whole cell block dormitory in the hole. I swear.
0: And, <laughs> and nobody
1: ever did, but... Yeah, it was it was a, it was an experience that I'm glad was only eight months. Yeah. But then I actually worked at the GEO prison in Hobbs for a, another short stint too. So. Yeah. And that was not near as scary no, as bad. Santa Fe.
0: Okay. Yeah. Did anyone, or did they have anyone come and like bless? the place like do a cleansing because there was so many like that, no one ever thought to do that
1: I don't think I never heard of anybody doing it not that I'm aware of I know that there were a bunch of paranormal groups that went there Ghost Adventure was one of them mm-hmm. and then there was a local one and I would imagine you know and and one of the things when you're in prison is you have to deal with all the religions like the Indians have to have their peyote you have to you have to give them that mm-hmm. and then they had Wiccans Wiccans had their night so, you had all these different religions under one roof all the time. So, you had all that going on there. Yeah. And, and you know, some of, a lot of the stuff was like, you know, you're almost thinking maybe some of this is conjured up. But, I don't know. So, you would I would have thought that if they would have been in, in New Mexico and Santa Fe that they would have done a cleansing. But, I never heard of anybody doing that. So, I
0: okay. don't know. Um, so, the inmates, did they talk about this like talk about the weird stuff that happened
1: no never you know inmates everybody i remember when me and jeff first got there the very first day we got there we got a tour this is a true story this is no lie this this okay. should have sent me home
0: okay <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: so we're walking and i don't recall what dormitory or what unit we were in well, we walked by a group of guys and it was and one of the inmates obviously who I've never met before said hey James Miller mm. glad to have you in Santa Fe from Michigan they knew where I was from oh my gosh. they knew my name yeah it was the most bizarre thing I ever thought of and I just turned around and I said did, was, did anything
0: else happen with that particular person?
1: No, no. It was just I. I, I, mean, I never saw him. I never. I I never remembered his face or who he was, and I and nobody ever said anything to me after that. But
0: maybe he wasn't an inmate. He
1: knew exactly. He was it was kind of weird. <laughs> it was kind of weird how that happened, and it was only my name called out
0: That's out of so a group weird. of like fifteen. Yeah.
1: So I don't know.
0: That don't know is weird. Happened. It
1: was weird. It was really weird. Oh my
0: gosh. Okay. So. From your time being there, what are the most memorable things? I know I'm sure there's a lot, but whether that was, you know, the weird things that happened or I definitely want you to tell the sunglasses story, but just your most memorable things.
1: Yeah, I I think just for me, the most profound thing was the respect that Mm -hmm. you have to give them some respect. It's their home. And that's what a lot of guards don't don't consider. They just go in there and they, you know, their inmates, they don't deserve respect. But once you get respect, oh, you're in. I mean, you're in. I mean, I was you know, I, I was able to have popcorn every night when they made it. So, you know, but I, getting to the glasses story, I had an inmate come to me one time. I wore a pair of glasses, sunglasses, and I had an inmate ask me if he could have them. And I told him, no, he couldn't have them. And I said, so later on, as I was leaving, I said, well, I'll tell you what, I will give you these sunglasses if you get a haircut. And his hair was way past his shoulders. And so it was the weekend and I had two days off and I came back and I went to that unit and he was bald. (laughs) And so I felt obligated. I gave him the sunglasses. And then what he did was he rented them out in yard and made money over the next two months until we had a raid of that cell and I took them
0: back. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I never wore them back to the prison. I wore them when I was out.
0: So he wouldn't ask for them again. No, he so like he they wouldn't were ask gone. for them again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was just a respect thing. I mean, you know, once, once you acknowledge that, you know, they're there for a reason, obviously, but you still have to treat them with some little bit of respect. And once I did that... I I was golden. I was told every day where to go to be protected Mm -hmm. every single day. And they told me, you don't tell anybody else. Nobody else is coming. Not your brother. It's you. This is your hiding place. This is nobody else's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, you know, it was just that kind of thing. That's really, that's really, I mean, the, the gory stuff was, you know, I mean, it wasn't significant enough to give me nightmares, But it's significant enough to know that there are a lot of bad people out there.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: And even back in the 1980s and back, you know, even in, uh, obviously, we see it every day in the 2000s and it's, it's, it was just a reminder, but it's also a reminder how, again, we get a certain group of people and we don't, we just let them go and we don't, we don't care about them anymore. And that's what happened. We didn't care about them anymore and they decided to riot and this is what happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, just out of curiosity, because I've, um, watched like shows (laughs) for like prison shows and stuff, but I know that inmates can get really creative because they have all this time on their hands. So I've heard about the whole, like, you know, fermenting their, whatever they can steal from Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. kitchen to make alcoholic drinks. Um, they'll also take like what pills they can and mix it in there. Um, or I've heard of them talking through their toilets, like draining them to talk to the, sure. did you, did they do? Korean oh yeah. Things? They, they they
1: came up with their own sign language. Uh, one of the things they did, they, I had an inmate and I don't remember his name, but I, I know it was a young kid and, uh, actually dating Khan at the time when I was at the prison. Oh yeah. Oh. And so, uh, he was a beautiful artist, beautiful artist so I, I could have gotten a lot of trouble for this. I asked him to uh, make me a Valentine card. So not only did he make the card, he handmade the envelope too. And it was beautiful. And I, I, she probably is probably gone now. but And uh, he gave it to me. And it, I mean it was – this guy was good. He was really good. But they can also take toilet paper, roll it up into really thin, 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 thin rolls – and they'll let it dry, and then they'll wet it, and they'll let it dry, and then they'll make jewelry boxes. Because like then it'll be them solid. Them. You mm-hmm. know, it'll be solid. Um, they made uh, one time I had a knife thrown at me that was actually made of um, melted um, forks, plastic forks, and razor blades. But they made it into a frisbee,
0: <gasps> so it
1: would fly,
0: and, and it, it was hit, sharp on all. and it hit
1: the wall right behind me. Wow. And uh, so it missed me by eh, it missed me by probably about a foot. And, uh, but they're very creative. Very creative. And um, yeah, the whole jungle juice or whatever you want to call it. They called it jack juice when I was there. It's, it smells like puke. <laughs> it looks like puke. It's just a nasty... Because they will throw donuts, burritos, bananas, any Ew. kind of fruit skins, bread cookies whatever and they would throw it into a um, into a box like a wooden box and they would just let it sit and it would literally only ferment for like like two days two or three days at the most and that would be enough that would be enough for them and then yeah
0: desperate times call for desperate yep measures.
1: yep 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 so How yeah gross. it was it was it was but they're very creative I mean even more creative today than they than they than they are than they were then i mean they yeah a lot of the stuff they didn't they didn't have a lot of the stuff that they have today
0: yeah
1: um like they still did tattoos um i remember a kid was getting a tattoo and um i said i told him i said do it in the back room and i wanted to see what it was and it was the coolest tattoo i'd ever seen the guy was doing his whole back of uh, four uh, four polar bears pulling an Eskimo sled in a hmm. moonlight, and it was phenomenal.
0: That's really I, interesting. I said,
1: if you do it in the back room, I'm gonna I let you do it because I'm gonna see it when it's done. I said, but if you don't, then I gotta throw you in the hole. Yeah. So, but they did, and it was it was unbelievable. It was it was pretty intense. Wow. It was pretty cool. But you know, these guys died from this. So I have to say, I mean, nothing was clean.
0: Oh, now, you're right. now yeah, a lot of true. prisons
1: have their own tattoo parlors. And they make money, like they'll charge $5 for a tattoo, but it all goes back into the tattoo shop so that they can clean it and, yeah. and sterilize and all that stuff there. But it's just not the way it was then.
0: Yeah, no. for sure. Yeah. Um, what would you say if you could, um, I guess, go back in time or talk to your younger self, would you still go back and work there?
1: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I, I, I'm, I'm glad it was not for a long stint. Cause I, I didn't, I don't know if I would have appreciated being immune to everything, being there long, anytime more than a year, or two years, then you're immune to it. And I don't know if that would have been good for anybody, yeah. anybody, anybody. So the time that I spent, um, I dealt with a lot and no, I don't regret it at all. I don't, re- I don't regret it one bit. I thought it was great.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you know how Jeff feels about working there? What I talked to him about a it? little
1: <laughs> bit about it, but he doesn't. You know, I think he's really blocked a lot of it because he didn't remember a lot of it when I talked to him last. And because uh, it was funny, because it was just when I was up at Lake Havasu, and he didn't really want to talk about it much. But he was kind of like a young gun and this and that. You're going to listen to me, and I was like, dude, I ain't working with you because you're going yeah. to get us both killed. So,
0: oh my gosh, it's terrible. okay. So you had told me. That from back then, you got a recording of what you think is a ghost or a yeah. some sort of supernatural phenomenon. So what we're going to do, Jesse, is play that recording on here. I'll tag it to the end of this, and you just let us know what you think. In the meantime, what happy birthday wish do you have for Jesse?
1: Happy birthday, brother. I love you. I think you're the best weakling. You're a little shaky on (laughs) the arms, but maybe you should work on some legs. No, I love you, Jesse. Happy birthday.